Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA, and one who, even though she keeps reading it, still says she doesn't like it. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and I miss my adult books. <laughs> Nobody said you couldn't read adult books. I don't have time. I'm reading all this YA. <laughs> <laughs> you know the A in YA stands for adult. I know. Embrace your youth, your uh, inner youngin'. Have you seen how old I am? <laughs> I think we're close to the same age, so no, I'm, I refuse to accept that. Well, before we get into what we're reading, I just want to point out to everybody, we do have an email address, and we have still received zero emails from we, you, our listeners. Nobody loves us. We're lonely. <laughs> There's cobwebs in our inbox. So please email us. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Tell us what you think we should read. Recommend something. Tell us what you like to read. We'll give you a shout out if you want. We'll give you a book. Yes. Yes, you might win something. You will win something. There's no might. <laughs> it's not like you're competing with a lot of people. <laughs> so if you want to email us, it's spillit at gwinnettpl.org. That's S-P-I-L-L-L-I-T at gwinnettpl.org. How many L's? Three and spill it. I mean, technically four. <laughs> There's another one in the PL. <laughs> if it looks like you've made a typo, you've done it correctly. There you go. So what are we reading right now? I'll start. And I am almost finished with Aurora Burning, which is book two of the Aurora Cycle by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. I had forgotten what a great listen the first one was. And that it features like a full cast of narrators. And I really, really, really love it. You can't see my face. I am 100%. Yay! Yeah. And if you remember, we talked about book one in our pilot episode. And despite not being a big fan of aliens, I do love this one. Um, I can't wait to move on to book three. And I do want to talk about the series more once I've finished it. Have you both read books two and three? Yes. No. But you love aliens. Oh, do love aliens. Yes. Have you read two? I've started two. I've okay. not finished two. Okay. Well, what are you reading now, Sarah? I'm reading a different alien book, actually. This one is called The Last Eight by Laura Pohl. And in it, there's a girl named Clover who is being raised by her grandparents. And then suddenly, aliens attack. And it doesn't go well. So Clover finds herself sort of a, a lone survivor and makes her way to Area 51 after hearing a radio message about other survivors and finds that there's a band of the last remaining teenagers on Earth that are there. And what will they do next to try to survive and maybe encounter or defeat aliens? I'm not really sure because I've reached the part where she's at Area 51 and met her friends. But I don't know what happens next. Are there next. eight of them? I'm imagining that the seven of them plus Clover <laughs> makes eight. Okay. Math is not my strong suit, but that's what I suspect. Okay. So wait, okay. I'm confused. Yes. Aliens attack, so they go to Area 51 where we already have aliens? Yes, aliens attack, and pretty much everything's gone. Right. And then there's a little radio message that's like, come to Area 51, because as it turns out, some of the survivors, the surviving teenagers there, were there because their parents were at Area 51 
working and trying to figure out this invasion situation. That the parents died? The parents have, you know, yes, met their demise. So it's full of orphans. It's just eight happy orphans. Are they happy? (laughs) Not not really. (laughs) It is eight fun-loving, alien, butt-kicking orphans (laughs) trying to figure out how to make it in this dystopian world. So you hate it that most YA features orphans. Yes. Yet that's what you choose to read. I chose it for the aliens. (laughs) Not the orphans. So she's really rooting oh, for okay. the aliens. She's I, like, aliens I do want to know more about the orphans. aliens than I have been told so far. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed that, like, I, I would have thought that this was a plot by the aliens to get me to come to Area 51, since that is an area that already has aliens in it. I don't know if I would trust that. No, the aliens don't need plots they pretty much <laughs> they they land <laughs> and everybody like within a week is disintegrated oh okay yeah and those who survive catch a plague from the dust of the disintegrated others so oh yeah it's not really great that's gross i mean dystopian worlds usually are gross <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> To so, some degree i'm probably not gonna read that you one, probably will not read it no i'm no yeah, I don't think it's as fun as you're making it out to be. <laughs> Am I making it sound fun? Well, I'll let you know. If you if you care to, I'll let you know how it turns out. I mean, Aurora Burning does also have an alien race trying to wipe everybody out, but sounds way more fun than yours. I mean, it does have sarcastic, wonderful Finn. But what are you reading, Patty? I just finished a book called Fable by Adrian Young. And it is um, the first book in a duology about a girl named Fable. And she's 17 years old. She is the daughter of the most powerful traitor in the Narrows, which is um, the sea that's not part of the open sea. (laughs) It's a little confusing. Like there's a big open sea and then there's a Narrows, which is full of reefs and shipwrecks and it's hard to say also it's like the narrows i don't know anyway she's his daughter four years beforehand uh the ship that she grew up on sunk her mother died and the next day her father took her to this island full of thieves and left her there wait she's an orphan she's not she's not just an orphan because i mean technically her dad is still alive but he just he he dropped her on an island carved a design into her arm and said, see ya. So she's a traumatized orphan. A little bit. A little bit. She spent the next four years trying to survive, and now she has managed to get off this island. She got passage on the ship with this guy named West. Don't tell the whole story. I'm not. (laughs) I feel like you are. I've read this. Oh. (laughs) This is literally in the description of the book. Okay, okay. Is she going to hunt down her dad? Because I hope your next sentence is, she hunts down her dad. Well, she wants to find her dad because she wants her places at his side as as running this organization. No, she but needs then, to take her revenge. I mean, I would prefer that, but that apparently is not her plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so that is sort of where the story begins, and it what happens next is, of course... There's all sorts of 
of things that happen with her dad and with the captain of the ship and the crew. And I like this because it's all about found family and it's very um, evocative. It has like the, the, it just has a vibe and it's, it's super fun. I like it a lot. I'm, and it ends on a cliffhanger and I have to read the second one. Uh-oh. I know. I have not read the second one. I listened to it and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I almost chose that one for my recommended read for the end of this episode. Oh. So I still recommend reading it. It's very good. It's a very fast read. Um, and I really, I really like it. And she actually has a, a one coming out this year called Saint that is about Fable's dad. And I'm super curious because he, I have a lot of questions about him. Okay, then. So, what are we talking about this week? Well, you should know. You chose our book from last time. That's Don't you remember? So, I was going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Yes, I actually do remember the book that we were reading this week. It is called One True Loves by Elise Bryant. We were trying to pick something that would sort of uh, make you guys think of summer. Because we're about to be in summer. Feels like we already are in summer. So probably while we're talking about summer, we should mention the Summer Reading Challenge, which is going on right now. And you can find out more information by visiting our website and win more prizes for reading, more free books, and also potentially a family annual pass to the Georgia Aquarium. Just for reading. So sign up today off our website. What what is the website, Sarah? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's GwinnettPL.org. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell me about this book. What did I read? You read, you read, if you followed your assignment, <laughs> One True Loves by Elise Bryant. So let's do the cover talk. I did read that book. You did? Yes. That's awesome. So well, I'm glad because there is a book by the same title with a different author. So I'm glad you picked the right one. You were right. It yeah. was very adult. And I was like, this is not the right one. Yes. <laughs> we want to make sure that you pick the one by Elise Bryant. So let's talk about the cover. Patty's favorite part. It's purple, which is my favorite color. Yeah, it's purple. It's got a picture of the main character, Lenore. She's sitting on top of her um, suitcase, which is covered with travel stickers, and she's surrounded by um, Polaroid pictures. Yep, and because she's holding a Polaroid camera. Uh, yeah, her pink Polaroid camera, which is a, a plot point, and uh, surrounded by fun little cutesy things like paper planes and... Uh, envelopes and and her passport and her Polaroid pictures and postcards and things like that. The cover is very summery. Yeah, and I would I would pick it up based on the cover. She's got sunglasses on her head. My only thing is the expression on her face kind of gives me the bored vibe, but I'm going for thoughtful. I, I think can it's see what you're thoughtful. talking about. Yeah, I would hope you're not bored while traveling. Also, in the book, like her fashion sense is described as pretty like bold and out there. And I think in this, her outfit is subdued compared to the suitcase. Like, I pay more attention to the suitcase than That's her clothes. That's true. The color choice for her clothing is too complementary to the purple background, maybe. Yeah. Lenore would, would be wear it. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Lenore would wear that. <laughs> maybe she would. Who knows? Sarah would Still wear a good it cover. because it's Still got a good cover. polka dots on the pants. Yeah, I like me some polka dots. And you don't know that about Sarah, but Sarah loves polka dots. In fact, <laughs> she's wearing polka dots right now. <laughs> Probably always am. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure you don't want to talk about my wardrobe. So let's talk about this book. That's on the Arthur podcast. What is Sarah (laughs) wearing? podcast called Sarah's Closet. (laughs) (laughs) Polka dots, polka dots, and more polka dots. Today, we're going to talk about 
polka dots. Sometimes <laughs> those stripes. No. Nope. Are you polka kidding dots. me right now? <laughs> about to flip this table. Stripes. <laughs> okay, this book. Yes. Let's actually talk about the book. How about we do that? Okay. So what I love about this book is it I like I knew nothing going into this to this book. Sarah picked it. I was like, okay, let's read this, this summary beach read. And it looked like all the other books where the teen girl goes on a European vacation and she falls in love and oh isn't that lovely? And it is that, but I was not expecting it to be an exploration of black joy and excellence and excellence and parental expectation and what it is what it is to be a young black person with successful black parents and their expectations and how you meet them and anxiety and what it means to be an artist and there was just a lot more to this book than I was expecting. It was it was fluffy and light, but it wasn't overly fluffy. If yeah. that makes sense. I did have that in my notes too. Like for a beachy read, I expected more fluff. I didn't expect like, to cry a couple of times. Yeah, and I and cried more, a couple of times. I don't know. Like at first I was telling Sarah when I was first reading, it, I was like, I don't know if this fits like a beachy read. I'm like, cause it's got some like issues in it. Like I wrote down parental pressure for excellence at all times, sibling rivalry, and choosing school and having her whole life planned and mapped out, and other issues like anxiety fitting in, racism, and dating. It had a lot, but overall, I mean, I really liked it, and it ended up being like that. It was a good beach read, I think. Should we actually mention what this book is is, is about? The yeah, plot of I this thought book? about that. As you started talking, I was like, you know what? We didn't really summarize. We what? should do oh, that right. for you. Let's we'll do that. Do that. <laughs> Let's do that for the for the listener. We'll read the um, description. Sarah, can you can you do that? Sure. Lenore Bennett has always been a force, a star artist and style icon at her high school. She's a master in the subtle art of not giving a well, you know what. But now that graduation is here, she's a little less sure. She's heading to NYU in the fall with a scarlet U for undeclared written across her chest. Her parents always remind her that black kids don't have the luxury of figuring it out as they go. They have to be 110% prepared. But it's a lot of pressure to be her ancestors' wildest dreams when Lenore's not even sure what her dreams are yet. When her family embarks on a post-graduation Mediterranean cruise, her friend Tessa is sure Lenore's in for a whirlwind romance. But Lenore knows that doesn't happen to girls like her. Then she meets Alex Lee. After their parents bond over the Cupid shuffle, she ends up stuck with him for the remainder of the cruise. He's a hopeless romantic and a golden boy with a 10-year plan. In short, he's irritating as hell. But as they get to know each other during their stops across Europe, Alex may be able to help Lenora find something else she's been looking for, even if she doesn't want to admit it to herself. Love. And see, from that description, I was expecting a kind of light, fluffy romance comedy thing and it was like i said turned out to be much more than that it was a little heavier i mean but there was comedic elements oh gosh there was something i laughed at okay because i'm a grown-up and i'm probably the same age as the parents are in this book i found every scene with 
the two sets of parents with Lenore and Alex's parents when they were like the Cupid shuffle scene was hilarious. I just I just found their the parent interaction so funny. I really loved Alex's mom. Yes. Yeah. I feel like she brought the light comedic almost elements into the story. I really liked all of the characters. Like yeah. I cannot think of a character that I was like, ugh. My, I mean, my, even the ones that were not great. Well, okay, maybe Jay, but we really only see Jay from um, Lenore's perspective. That's the ex, the, her oh. ex at the beginning. And Jay is kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk, but the rest of them are very likable people. My favorite is probably Etta, her younger sister. <sighs> yeah. I love Etta. Etta and is a 10-year-old genius. I laughed aloud at the part where Lenore said, and um, if if me from the future came back and was talking to me now to give me advice, I would say to them, you mastered time travel and this is what you did with it? <laughs> that was kind of like, yeah. I liked, you know, that she had required playtime. Oh, my oh, God. That yes. Etta had required yeah, playtime. Yeah, and like yeah. she made Lenore play like the game of life or something with her. Because her just, parents demand that she have playtime. Yes. But I <laughs> love it. For 30 minutes. <laughs> so, and I have in my notes somewhere that I would love to see a future down the road story of a grown up Edda. Mm, that would be good. I would like a, I would like a book about Edda, but I would love to read a book about Wally and his boyfriend and like what's going on, what happened with them. Mm-hmm. Like we yeah. get a little bit of that. But we don't really get the full explanation of of what happened with that relationship. And I would love to to see maybe starting from halfway through this book, like where 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 they are at the beginning of this book, and then what happens after like the year after this book, I would like. It's possible because the book she wrote before this one called Happily Ever Afters had Lenore in it as kind of a one of the characters, I believe. I haven't read that book. Yeah, Tessa's the main but character. But Tessa's the main character of that one. Oh, is it about her and Sam? Yes. Oh, I'm going to have to read that one. My guess is the third book, if there will be one, is going to be about the other friend. Well, she's writing one called Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling. It comes out in January of 2023. And it says, it follows Reggie, who is a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master, and Delilah, who's the lead singer of a punk band. They fall in love over a series of misconnections and chance meetings during the holidays over the course of one year. So the book starts on New Year's Eve and ends on New Year's Eve the year after. And one of the characters from One True Loves is in it. That sounds delightful. Yeah, I want to read can't that wait. too. What about the other main friend? You know, Theo. Yeah, where's Theo's story? I don't know, but I would have thought that would be the next one. Maybe it's coming because I would like to read that story too. But back to Wally, like for the first half to maybe three quarters of the book, I hated Wally. He was a jerk. I'm like, she took a long time to redeem Wally for she, me. She did, but I felt like. It was sort of obvious to me that something was yes. going on with him, yes. and this wasn't just his him, you know, his personality. Because she mentioned like this isn't how Wally usually interacts with me. Well, she said he had been like that for a while, but right. the old Wally, like when they were younger, right, right. So, like grown up Wally, I was not liking, but yes, I could see that there was clearly something going on, and mm-hmm. I was hoping it was going to get addressed and not. Oh, I knew ignored. I was but, like, I mean, either he is like obviously yes, it was going to be. I was like, oh my god, is he on like speed for learning? Like, because <laughs> you know the the Jesse Spano <laughs> of this book. Uh, but I really, yeah, I didn't like him very much. Also, his parents spent all this money to take him on a Mediterranean cruise, and he's like, Yeah, I'm going to be room. in my room? And Are you kidding me right really now? really ungrateful. 
but I by the end of the book I really liked him too the other way I felt reading this book is oh my gosh I want to go back to the Mediterranean I was like oh that just sounds wonderful the food sounded wonderful the art sounded amazing just I the descriptions of the cities sounded great I don't, I don't want to go on a cruise, though. Well, um, I read an interview with the author on a blog um, from a website called WNDB, which is We Need Diverse Books. Mm-hmm. And um, she talked about how she liked, she why she put it on a cruise ship, and partially because she said she would um, watch the movies and things about things that happened on vacation, like, you know, the Olsen twins on a cruise or whatever. And so she kind of always wanted to write a book about that, but with, you know, a character that looks like her and has her experiences. But she also liked um, how, because they were on a cruise, she was stuck with her family. And one of the reasons that I kind of liked this book is um, Lenore is definitely not an orphan. No, she is not. And she talked about the author talked about in this interview something that I really think is important and maybe kind of gets to why I have a problem or a little bit of a problem with the orphan thing and and she kind of summed it up for me so she said um I think especially when you're a teenager your friendships romances all of that is really important to you too but your family is the most important thing At least for me, family was the most significant part of my life. Family dynamics shape who you are, and that, as a result, shapes whatever relationships you have after that, such as your romantic relationships as a teenager and as an adult. So I like showing how a person became who they are through their family. And I was like, yes. I think that um, sometimes the authors, when they leave out the family, you're kind of missing an element of, like, why is Lenore the way she is? Well, partially because her parents have put pressures on her not not in a mean way but it has shaped how she feels about herself and what she needs to do with her life and she sees that you know happening in the lives of her siblings as well I also liked the part of the um, theme of the book that about her feeling like with her friends she always had to be a certain way and kind of realizing that maybe she could come out of that some too like she felt like she always needed to be the cheerful, tough person who didn't really have a real problem and was just going to kind of coach you through your problems. So it's another coming of age or buildings oh, romance. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But I was going to say with your other statement that maybe you should stop reading dystopian and sci-fi <laughs> because <laughs> that's where all the orphans are. There yeah, are, there are a lot, lot of orphans in dystopian sci-fi. There's much so less orphans in realistic fiction. <laughs> You got me there. I do like the family dynamics. And I also like that we got to see not just her immediate family, not just her mom and dad and her brother and sister, but also her grandmother and the aunties and all of that at the graduation party and and how they all have had uh, their own influences on on Lenore and Wally and how they've grown up together. And Because I think if you have a big extended family who gets together a lot, that that I, I don't see that a lot in fiction, and it was cool to see that. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, her grandparents play a big role, I think, especially where that Polaroid camera comes into play. Uh, right. Yeah, so that would be uh, scene number one that I cried at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, family is important in this one for sure. I do want to say, too, I was, I was sort of expecting her whole um, – 
you know, she's trying to figure out what she's going to do when she gets to college and all that. And I kind of expected a different outcome than the one I got, but I, that, I find that pleasantly surprising when I don't get the package typical, oh, you know how this is going to end up. So that was nice. I'm not going to give it away, but that was cool. And like, I was reading this book and look, this is not really a spoiler. Lenore and Alex do in fact get together. But I was reading, I was like, oh, this is earlier than I thought. Mm, something's going to happen to them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yep, yep, there we go, there we go. Because I was like, surely she's not going to give us half a book of them being happily falling in love on this ship. That's well, not going to happen. I felt like that. I knew that was coming because it's always, that's sort of a trope too. Well, we're get together and then there's a, you know. A misunderstanding. Or a situation where we can't be together and maybe, maybe we can resolve this. Uh, but she did say she, the author said, and again, in this interview, she likes to kind of write against some of those tropes, which is why when they first meet, which again, I don't know if I want to give too much away, but when they first meet, there's sort of a trope that is immediately presented. Oh, I don't think that's giving away too okay. much. So when they first meet, Alex suggests that they fake date, which is a common YA trope. I think we've talked about it in other episodes of this podcast. And uh, Lenore is like, no, what are you talking? Like, no, <laughs> which I think is kind of a refreshing response to that. Like if a stranger comes up and is like, hey, will you pretend to be my girlfriend so we can make this other lady jealous? Like, why are women saying yes in other that? fiction and yeah, another <laughs> fictional representation? Why are they like, okay, what are you talking about? I no, do like that. Get Lenora's away from me, lying. weirdo. No. Yeah. Excuse so. me, I'm gonna go throw up now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot I liked about this. I Sarah, I liked this book much more than I expected to. I I was I was reading this for the podcast and I was like, all right, I'll read this for the podcast. And I ended up really enjoying this book a lot. I did too. And I'm glad. I'm glad because I think the last one I picked was One Small Favors or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I really needed to have a win. <laughs> was that the last one? I'm not sure. But I'm not one sure, of the but ones, that's I, one of the ones that's that the one we out. can't recover from. <laughs> Some people love that book. Some people do. They're not in this room, though. <laughs> that's that's true. Maybe they are. Maybe they're in this room in spirit because they're listening to us. Could be so. To all those people who love that are book. Are there ghosts in here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant we're in their room. We should write a book about a haunted podcast. But not though. in a creepy way. We're just in their ears. It <laughs> <laughs> just got creepier. I know. <laughs> Ew. Anyway, if you like small favors, you're still a good person. <laughs> Yeah, and please email us and tell us why you liked it. Because <laughs> we're very curious. But I did like the vacation-y vibe this book had, too. Oh, God, it like just made me want to Traveling vicariously through Lenore because I would really love to go <laughs> on a cruise. I want to go on a Mediterranean cruise. I want to go to Santorini, even I, if I have to walk up those 500 stairs. I do want to go to Santorini. And one of the books I'm going to talk about in my read-alike or recommendation, it'll take you there, too. Ooh, well, maybe that's a good way to. So tell me about that one. About what it. is your good? What is your read like, Catherine? I have two, Ooh. but the one I just kind of mentioned is Love and Olives by Jenna Evans Welch. This is another book that is part of a loose series, and it is book three, but you 
totally don't have to read the first two books to be able to read book three. And if I'm saying that, that's really true. That's true. <laughs> She's particular about these things. That's very true. Um, the worst that'll happen is like, I don't know, Liv, the main character of this one, is maybe mentioned in one of the other books, but she's just like a friend of a friend or something like that. So they're not like actually part of the other stories. Um, and this one is kind of a Mamma Mia-inspired tale of a girl, Liv Veronakis, who travels to Greece to find and connect with her father. Oh, and also to find the lost city of Atlantis. Oh. Who her father believes is right there in Greece. It also features heavier topics like abandonment, anxiety, and both mental and physical illness, too. But as you can imagine, with love in the title, there is a bit of romance and a definite love interest in this book. Overall, I mean, it had the heavy topics, too, but it was, I, I really liked it. So I recommend it. My other title is A Cuban Girl's Guide to Tea and Tomorrow by Laura Taylor Namey. This one has Lila Reyes, who does have her whole life planned out, or so she thought. She was going to take over her abuela's role as head baker at her family's panaderia, move in with her best friend after graduation, and live happily ever after with her boyfriend. But all of that falls apart. She's grieving the loss of her abuela. She has a falling out with her best friend and gets dumped by her boyfriend. She then finds herself shipped off by her parents to spend the summer in England with family friends to relax and reset. The trip seems like a nightmare to Lila. That is until she meets Orion Maxwell. And love blooms. And love blooms. Uh, yep. And that's where the tea comes in. While drinking his, tea. His father owns a tea shop. He kind of runs it. So there are parents. There are parents. There is tea. And there's tomorrow. Well, good. And there might be love. It's a Cuban's girl's guide. <laughs> to tea and tomorrow. I've read that one. It's very good. Do you have a read-alike, Patty? I do have a read-alike. Uh, my read-alike is Mad, Bad, and Dangerous to Know by Samira Ahmed. Um, so it is told in alternating narratives that bridge centuries. Um, this book by Samira Ahmed traces the lives of two young women fighting to write their own stories and escape the pressure of familiar burdens and cultural expectations in worlds too long defined by men. It is August in Paris, so we have the international travel, and 17-year-old Kayam Maquette, American, French, Indian, Muslim, is at a crossroads. This holiday with her professor parents should be a dream trip for the budding art historian, but her maybe ex-boyfriend is probably ghosting her. She might have just blown off chance at getting into her dream college, and now all she really wants is to be back home in Chicago figuring out her messy life instead of brooding in the City of Light. 200 years before her summer of discontent, Layla is struggling to survive and keep her true love hidden from the Pasha who has gifted her with his favored status as his, in his harem. In the present day, and with the company of the descendants of Alexander Dumas, Kayam begins to connect allusions to the enigmatic 19th century Muslim woman whose path may have intersected with Alexander Dumas, Eugene Delacroix, and Lord Byron. Echoing across centuries, Lila and Kayam's lives intertwine, and as one woman's long-forgotten life is uncovered, another's is transformed. So it's it's very good. It's got those elements of travel and living in a in a different country, and there are parents involved, nice. <laughs> and art historians. But it's also it's very cool how the two stories connect and intersect and and weave together. It's I like it a lot. What about you, Sarah? You ever read a like? Or um, a recommendation? 
Well, this one, I, I can't go as far as to recommend it because I haven't finished it yet, but it is called Golden Boys by Phil Stamper. It reminds me a little of, the, you know, a summer read because this also takes place all over the summer. This is about four um, high school boys, high school just finished their junior year, Gabrielle, Reese, Sal, and Heath, and they're best friends. They live in a small little town, and they are... Um, they're all gay, and they so they've bonded over that over the years. And each of them has a different summer plan. So um, one is going to Paris, and one is going to Capitol Hill to work as like a you know volunteer with the Senate, and one is going to Boston to work as a volunteer planting trees, and the last one is going to Florida to work in his aunt's gift shop. So they talk a lot about um, their relationships and their friendships and wondering if the summer, how the summer is going to change them and if they can, will still have the same relationships and friendships when they return. So I started it and um, I will say, you know, it takes about 25% of the book year before they even depart on their summer trips. So I was a little bit bummed by that because I kind of wanted them to like dive right into their summer traveling. And also right now the character's they don't have enough of distinct voices for me. So I need to kind of see this one through and see if I would recommend it. But it is about four boys and their summer trip. So it's a little like I think I'm get I was getting Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants vibes, but with gay boys. I was like, I, that was another one. If you want to go, oh, I hate to say it, old school, but Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is a summer traveling fun read. Right. I think it holds up. It's, it's been a long time since I read that one, though. So what are we reading next time? Well, it's my turn. So I'm sticking with the beachy theme, sort of. Um, this book involves sirens. It's Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow. It's about Tavia, who has magical powers. In fact, she's the siren. And her best friend, Effie, who's not a siren, but she does play a mermaid in a Ren fair. And she maybe has something magical about her, too. You have to read to find out. But it also kind of uses that magical realism and fantasy to talk about or tackle real-life social issues that are maybe happening right now. All right. Well, Sounds I'm, good. I'm down for sirens and mermaids. Maybe mermaids. Half mermaids, kind yeah. of. Sort Mermaid-ish. of. I was about to say something that would totally spoil it, so I'll save that for next time, everyone. <laughs> she plays <laughs> one on TV. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You don't get books about sirens very often, so yeah. this is going to be fun. This has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time as we spill the tea with another nautical novel, Song Below Water. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>